Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. You are our rock and you are our redeemer. Amen. And they brought to him a denarius. Then he said to them, Whose image is this? And whose title on this coin? They answered the emperors, and he said to them, Give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. We're going to be exploring that verse today. A little bit about the denarius. It was a two-sided coin. On one side was an image of the emperor, and it said, King Tiberius, he printed the coin, Son of God printed King Tiberius, son of God, on one side of the coin. The other side, when you flipped it over, had a picture of a woman, and it said high priest, and the implication in picture language was that the emperor is the high priest of the empire. Note the religion of the empire connotation there. Just to make it clear, for a Jew to even have one of these coins would have been considered idolatry more or less to have one in your pocket able to present to Jesus. Also, they probably didn't have a choice. That was the only legal tender to pay the Roman tax. More about context, Jesus is in the temple. This all section of Matthew takes place after Jesus has cleansed the temple, aggravated the Pharisees and religious leaders. He's turned over the money changers' tables kicked out the people selling doves to the poor, so they're in the temple. He's been going there day after day to teach, and he's been teaching parables that criticize the leadership, criticizes their authority, criticizes the religious leaders for what they're doing, criticize them for their faith or how they're living it out. The then, in the beginning of our gospel reading today, then they conspired, if you caught that then the Pharisees went and plotted. It's because then they finally had enough. They're more than angry. They're upset enough to start plotting murder. And so they plot, and the Pharisees send their disciples along with the Herodians. It's an interesting mix. The Pharisees, as the religious leaders and the religious of the religious, were against Rome but still worked with them while opposing them with the people. They didn't like Roman occupation but knew enough to be politically savvy and get what they could out of it. The Herodians, well, you know, they thought, this is how it is. This is how it is. We might as well get what we can from, from Rome while we're here. And so they didn't actively oppose Rome at all. In fact, they were either silent or kind of worked with Rome pursuing their own economic and political interests and getting whatever they could from the Roman Empire. But the point is, these two Pharisees and Herodians were politically at odds with each other normally. We're in a situation now where the enemy of my enemy is my friend, and so the Pharisees have brought their enemies together against their common political enemy, Jesus. And they want to trap him. And you have to understand the trap. Is it lawful to pay taxes or not? To the emperor or not? 
If Jesus says, yes, it is lawful to pay taxes to the emperor, he's going to lose the support of the people and the crowds who are hoping that he overthrows the empire because a yes legitimizes Rome. If he says, no, it is not lawful to pay taxes to the emperor, then the Herodians can run to the Roman authorities and have Jesus killed by saying, we have a rebel. We have someone against the emperor. And so they come and they do a little bit of ego boosting and they say, oh Jesus, we know that you are sincere and that you speak in truth and that you show deference to no one and you're impartial to no one. And then they pop the question, is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? Yes or no, answer us, Jesus. You can almost hear the Jeopardy music in the back. Da, na, 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 na. And then they're ready to get the soldiers, all of that. Yes or no? And Jesus says, you hypocrites. You hypocrites. Show me a coin. And so they bring him the coin, and and you know the rest of the story. You have to pay Roman taxes. They were paying them. In their attempt to trap Jesus, he, he really makes them see that they're trapped. They have to pay as well. You hypocrites is also Jesus' pronouncement that the situation of the world is a little more complex than just yes or no answers. We know this too. You hypocrites, you're the ones carrying this idol around in your pockets, Jesus says. They gave him the coin after all. What's this about? Jesus is helping them see that their world is bigger, deeper, than just political machination around yes or no. They live in the hard reality of a worldly empire that they have to serve. It helps them live. And it just might be against God's law of love, but what choice do they have? How do you resist? You hypocrites. Yes or no? The world is complex and and complicated, and we we have to navigate it carefully. We do too. We understand that more right now than in any other time when elections come up. Yes or no? Right or wrong, Jesus, which is it? Kind of... If you read the text, he seems unconcerned about the yes or no or the right and the wrong of it all. I'm kind of surprised at that, actually, as a a Bible studier, that, that he doesn't seem to care all that much. It's not his goal to find right and wrong in the complexity of dealing with Rome. That's interesting. It's interesting that Jesus would be seemingly unconcerned about the Roman Empire's brokenness its idolatry, etc. It's sort of shocking, but then I think about it a little bit differently. Maybe Jesus is trying to remind them once again of who's actually in charge of this whole world. That God can and does work through political institutions. That's Lutheran two-kingdom theology, if you're familiar with that. If not, it doesn't matter. 
Luther said, and we know, that God works through the things of the world. And thanks be to God to that, but there's a warning there. Not to think too highly of our own position. The Isaiah text raises that up a little bit more. King Cyrus was a pagan Babylonian king, and the prophet declares him Messiah. Declares him Savior. Declares him the one that God has chosen to save the people. To bring God into the world deeper. And isn't that interesting? And the Jews who've heard that would have been offended as well. But it does make us think. Maybe right and wrong, yes or no, is not the goal of Jesus' answer as much as to remind people that God is in charge in the midst of everything. This is God's world. As politics rolls along like it did in that day or ours, God is the one working within everything. And it is a complex, complicated world. God is living, active, moving, and we each are a part of that. Give to the empire what is the empire's, and to God what is God's. Well, let's think about that. What do you have that's the empire's? It's a complex question. What do you have that's the empire's? That's something of the world. That's part of the kingdom of the world. I can't answer it for you, actually. We have to answer it for ourselves. I can't tell you what it is. It, it, it might be our political ideology. It might be our money. It might be our job. It might be, think about it. This is a politically loaded text. Not my idea, Jesus. What do you have that's the empire's, that helps you live What do you have that's the empire's that that helps you live, but that might not be the way God would want things to function, but you have to do it? It's hard, right? It's a hard question to answer. Standing in the temple, the Pharisees and religious leaders are angry because Jesus has confronted them with their broken politics, their broken leadership, and their lack of love for their neighbor, and they want to get rid of him because it's hard. And Jesus wants us to think about that in his answer. He wants us to remember, actually, his partiality. The the Pharisees come up and they say, we know that you're impartial and show deference to no one. That's actually not true. Jesus shows partiality to the poor and the broken and the outcast and the different and those not included. To know that something's lawful doesn't mean that something's right before God. And yet we're stuck in the worldly system sometimes of having to be in that tough place. To to engage a broken world and, and act within it even though it might not be what we want or how we think. Give to the empire what's the empire's. And to God what's God's. All right. Well, what's God's? What do you have that's God's? Of course, everything, right? 
I, I mean, everything. Everything we have is God's. Your gifts, fine. Your, your, your finances, fine. Your job, we can say everything and just really, really quickly just lump everything in there, but I think Jesus is after something more. What is God's that you need to give to God? And, and I think the right answer for Jesus what he wants the Pharisees to see who are carrying around idols in their pocket is themselves. What do you have that is God's you? Jesus says, whose image is on that coin? And they say, well, the emperor. But whose image is on them? Whose image is on you? God's. Remember? You're created in the image of God. Male and female, he created them. Isn't that beautiful? That when the world throws up all these idols, things that we should worship and things that we should follow and things that we should see, God imprints God's image on you. There is a promise there for us as people of God and a calling too. The calling as people in the image of God is to change the world. To challenge empire in meaningful ways. To, to work for change in this world knowing that it's hard. To understand that the ends don't justify the means of what we do because we represent God and the alternative kingdom of God's reign in the world. You are Christ's body. His image in Greek, icon. But the promise is there as well that you're in the image of God. That with idols everywhere that we're supposed to follow, we can simply look in the mirror or at our neighbor and see where God's love needs to go. God sees you, invests in you, values you, saves you. God is with you always. In these trying times of, of health and, and politics and whatever else you're dealing with, God says, you're in my image and I love you. And so, dear friends, that's a freeing message. You are free to live in that love. You're free to engage the world doing the best you can, knowing that, that, that what, what you do and how you do it matters, but that grace ultimately rules in your life. And that God and Jesus Christ will never let you go. So ponder the question. Give to God what's God's and know that God actually already has you. Amen.